Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on what's the deal with nay... Really? No plus ones to the wedding? Vermont house guests who are breaking the bank, last-minute bridesmaid additions, and a question that warrants the answer, no, no, and just no. For awesome etiquette-sustaining members, we talk about house guests with phobias. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment from the 17th edition of Emily Post's Etiquette on tipping that doesn't come up every day. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I'm headed to South Carolina tomorrow. Get out of here. I'm, I know. <laughs> I'm so Go ex- south. I'm going south. I'm so excited, actually, because not only am I going to go and work with a bunch of wonderful, wonderful wedding planners in the South Carolina area, but I am also going to get a chance to see about three of our Business Etiquette Train the Trainer graduates. Awesome. And they are going to come over for some coffee. At, I'm staying at my uncle's house while he's away. And they're going to come over for a little Emily Post coffee. High Lizzie five. Post, high five. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh, Katie Wells reached out to me. And so I was I was stoked to reconnect with her. And she said a couple of the other trainers are in the area and they'd love to get together. Well, I love hearing that. And this was the first I'd heard. So that was a genuine and honest high five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But there's, there's actually something else I put into the script to talk about this morning because it's football season you can feel it there's a certain crispness to the air yes and like it's like it's time to start spending some time at your local watering hole or on your couch with your buddies and i was thinking of my cousin dan this weekend while i was at a golf tournament and i was like i bet he's picking his fantasy football league which dan often wins irritatingly just so you know (laughs) i'm competitive And you were feeling it. Clearly, there was something going on in your mind. You were connected to the place that your cousin was at. The draft is next weekend. That's the official draft. But the portion of the fantasy league that I get together with pretty much every week did its the season's coming barbecue on Saturday. And it was so much fun. Yeah. Okay, wait. First of all, how was the barbecue structured from an etiquette standpoint? (laughs) Beautifully. Really? It was uh, well hosted by my brother and his wife, Susan, and their two little girls, Stella Grace and Dylan. And 
Chief and Jess and Aiden, family, we'll call them family one guests. Okay. And then family two guests, me, Pooja, Anisha, and Aria. Nice. And then our cousin Josh, who everyone calls Raul, was also invited but was unable to attend because he's still working at the marina until about next weekend and couldn't be there on a Saturday. I think that was something I did not know about Josh, that his other name is Raul. We've called him Raul since high school. Okay. And it creates some confusion sometimes, a little bit like Brad, who's also called Jeff, but mostly it works. Okay. What really worked was the dinner. You would have been so proud of us. I want to hear all about it because my mouth is already watering. So I'll give you the full spread. There were ribs, which Chief had slow cooked in advance and then were finished on the charcoal grill. Okay, pardon my drool. (laughs) There was the barbecue chicken. Then there was the salad of CSA greens with cranberries and pine nuts and cheese. And then there were the heirloom tomatoes. That are just totally in season right now. Sliced in wedges with fresh basil and mozzarella. Chief did the corn relish from Tanglewoods. Tanglewoods was the restaurant we all worked at in high school. And for special occasions, we pull out the old recipes from our days working in the Tanglewoods kitchen. There were some roasted potatoes. Okay. A mix of... White and sweet potatoes and then uh, finished with the little cherry tomatoes right at the end of the cooking. Is anyone else just dying to recreate this meal? What else? What? Tell me what else. Well, then there were other sort of like little things that came ahead of time. The cheese and crackers, the preparatory nibbles. There was a dessert of watermelon. What was the other part of the dessert? Oh, s'mores over the bonfire. Oh, come on. You just sealed the deal. I want an invite next year. Oh, my goodness. It snuck up on us. By the way, did you just hear me ask for an invitation to a party at my cousin's house? Primarily for the food. You would have enjoyed it. But what was so nice was it felt so seamless. Yeah. We found ourselves, we actually sat around the dining room table because the kids were all playing with each other and occupying each other and... You got to be adults for a minute. <laughs> it kind of happened. And while we're sitting there looking at this beautiful plate of food, we said, you know, we actually did okay on this one. It was a, a really well-built meal, and it just kind of happened. Oh, I'll bring this. I'll bring this. Oh, that would be so nice if you could do that. Okay, is it happening 3 Oh, closer to 3.30? Oh, you know, it's probably going to be 4 or 5 by the time we really get it off the grill. Good communication, good execution. Much fun was had by all. Thank you for indulging me as I (laughs) revel in the beginning of football season. My pleasure, cuz. My pleasure. All right, so who'd you end up with on your team? Draft is next weekend. Okay, so this is just the start of the season for you. This is just getting into game shape. This is getting into, y'all, every Sunday we're going to be getting together. The food's probably not going to be quite this good. but I know, we were like, this is high bar stuff. I like it. I like it a lot. And noted, we will get you an invite. Ah, ah, s'mores, here I come. That was the part you perked up at. I know, I don't know why. It's not like I can't do them in my own backyard. It's probably because Benny Benny actually loves s'mores. I didn't give him the chocolate, but that dog, I've never seen a dog beg harder for marshmallows and like roasted over the fire. It was really funny. He loved eating them. It's sort of fun to share that with kids. Yes. It was like first sparklers for some of the kids there, which was so much fun. that's so cool. Anisha was so excited. I don't think she'd ever seen a marshmallow before. Are you serious? (laughs) So she's sitting there, she like tries a little bite and her eyes got all big. (laughs) Gaga and Gramps. I was like, do you want to try roasting it? No. No, I just want to eat it. I love it. I love it. It sounds like a really great weekend, cuz. Well, as good as it was, it is now the week. It's time to get back to work. I know. Shall we get to some questions? I am so excited to. Let's do it. 
Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. And on Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. We'll answer your questions on the sustaining members site where you can also access an ads-free version of the show. Our show begins with what's the deal with nay? Which is the proper use? Maiden name, nay. Married name or married name, nay. Maiden name, Tom. Tom, thank you for asking. This is a fun question because I just learned something I didn't know. And Lizzie Post is going to tell us a little trick that is so cool here in a second. Because nay is spelled N, two E's, and the middle E is accent aigu. And Which is French. <laughs> exactly. And Lizzie Post, tell me about accent aigu grave. So when Dan, this is the coolest Dan thing ever. said this, and I totally have to credit this to Madame Posig, my sixth grade French teacher, who taught us that accent aigu, and you lean forward like you're sick to your stomach. So it's the forward leaning 
accent. And that accent, agra, if you lean back as if you're falling dead into the grave, and it's the backward-leaning accent. <laughs> I will never forget again, and I will always remember <laughs> the two gestures you made in the studio where you kind of sneezed through up as you said, <laughs> and then agra, and you throw your hand up to your forehead and fall back in your chair. So just so you know, we are planning on starting to do uh, Instagram lives during our questions. And that would now be a perfect video. Now you're going to get to video. see the fun in the studio. <laughs> anyway, so nay. <laughs> so nay. Spelled knee, pronounced nay. Yeah. Is used to allow someone essentially to offer or, or use their maiden name. And the full married name comes first, followed by the maiden name, just the last name. That's the the common use, although the use is not so common. Right. And so you actually, the place I, I encounter it the most frequently is on Wikipedia. And you would say Joanna, married name, nay, maiden name. And that's it. It's just, it's that simple. So the, the question was whether or not the married name comes first or the maiden name comes first. And it's the married name that comes first. And then you use the word nay and then the maiden name. And it just shows, or the birth name. And nay actually means originally called or born. And that's why you use it. So puja, for instance, would be puja sening nay gupta. Tom, thanks for the question. And Lizzie Post, thanks for teaching me something new this morning. Egu, egrav. <laughs> our, our sixth grade class got such a kick out of it. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, Really? No Plus Ones. Good morning. At a family dinner last evening, my son and his fiancée asked an intriguing question. They are getting ready to mail their wedding invitations and have a tricky situation, one that I am sure many brides and grooms wrestle with these days. Their guest numbers are getting out of hand, and they need to limit the number of guests. How can they politely say that the invitation is for the person invited and not for their distant friend? They are inviting husbands, fiancés, and live-in significant others, but they fear many will want to include a plus one with their RSVP. How can they curtail the plus one, Jenny? You don't. You don't do this on the front end. You do this on the back end when someone's actually added the plus one. So the invitation will just simply go out to the single person with one name. So if they were inviting me, for instance, the invitation would just come to Elizabeth Post or to Lizzie Post. And then that's it. And if I was so rude as to write in plus one on my RSVP card and send it back to them, then this lovely, gracious couple would call me up and say something like, Oh, we're so excited that you've RSVP'd and that you're coming to the wedding. Thank you so much for getting back to us so quickly. We think there might have been a little bit of confusion with the invitation. We did not actually issue plus ones to anyone who isn't 
in an established relationship right now. And that's it sounds a little tough, like, oh, you single person, you don't get one. But honestly, us single people aren't quite that sensitive all the time. So don't worry about it. Some people think that you are automatically issued a plus one. So it's not uncommon to kind of have this, oh, really? I thought you just got a plus one to a wedding. They say, no, actually, because of the size of the family and friends being invited, we really weren't able to accommodate the plus ones. We wish we could have, but we can't. We hope you'll understand. It's that kind of a conversation. It can be really simple. You just, you're sharing information. That's all you're doing in this case. But you don't do it on the front end by saying, and don't include a plus one on the invitation because it takes the focus off the invitation and places it on the assumed error that's going to occur. Dan, do you have anything to throw into this one? You know, almost nothing. Very little, in (laughs) fact. It's so rare that we get to offer a clear answer. So often our answers are situational. You have to be thinking about someone else's feelings or where they're coming from or this or that. This is a a pretty straightforward etiquette situation where you don't anticipate someone else messing up. (laughs) You do the best you can. If the plus ones come in, I like your approach. I like your sample scripts. You talk about why you couldn't offer everyone a plus one. And this is also really normal when you're in wedding planning mode to get to the point where you're ready to like combat any potential thing that's going to go wrong or be a hassle way in advance because it makes your life that much easier. But this is one of those moments where you want to dial it back and you want to say, no, actually, this is one we have to handle on the back end of the situation, not the front end of the situation. And be responsive. Make that call. If you get the plus one RSVP, hopefully you've got enough time to... Get in touch with that person. You can always offer them the out from there accepting the invitation. That's another – I completely understand if you can't make it. Or if you don't want to come solo. But there will be a lot of wonderful people here that you know and we really want you to come and have fun with us. So I'm not going to hold you to your acceptance of this invitation, but it's most likely you're probably still going to come as I think the understanding that most people are going to have. Oh, yeah. It doesn't need to be that fraught a discussion. Just be clear. Just be honest. Be timely. And you should be in pretty good shape. Jenny, thanks for the question. And Lizzie Bose, thanks for the clarity. Oh, and look, a real party for a change day. Mm. Let's go together, Cindy. Oh, golly, I'd be scared to death. This question is titled, House Guests Break the Bank. I need advice. Every summer, I deal with the same tricky situation and need help with knowing how to best handle it. Here goes. We live in Vermont, near Lake Champlain. Woohoo! It's beautiful here. Summers especially are wonderful with many fun things to do and see. Each summer, we get a lot of family and friends visiting us. All are from out of state, and most often, they're using a visit to us as vacation time. We have a large private yard, swimming pool, hot tub, and a boat to go out on the lake. They come, they relax, they enjoy themselves. This is all great, except for one thing. We provide everything, food, drinks, you name it, we provide it. Herein lies my dilemma. Our household budget can't handle the added expenses. I don't have an income in the summer. I work in a public school. And we simply can't absorb the costs of feeding and hydrating so many people every other week or so. If it were one or two people, that'd be no problem. But it's often four or more, and they stay for a whole week. My husband and I are new empty nesters, so we've adjusted our spending accordingly. I love having a house full of people. Don't get me wrong. 
But isn't it presumptuous of them to think they basically have a free week of vacation on us? Did I create this monster? I'm torn. These are dear friends and family, and I don't want to do anything to chase them off because we do cherish time spent with them. But I also know that if they were vacationing anywhere else, they'd be spending their own money to do so. These folks definitely have funds to work with. They're hardworking folks just like us. I'd like them to contribute in some way. Treat us to a dinner out. Supply some wine. Help with the groceries. Honestly, anything. Any advice on how to make it clear that before they plan their next visits, a.k.a. vacations, to our home, we would like some kind of help? Thanks. Gracious but conflicted hostess in Vermont. Oh, gracious but conflicted hostess. I sympathize with your situation. And I want to answer a question within the question. Did I create this monster? Yes and no. I don't want you to feel bad, but yes, a little (laughs) bit. And managing that expectation is going to take just a little bit of care moving forward. I want to say why it's a yes and no. It's a yes because you've invited folks and not set the, the thing of if you're coming for a week, we'd really love to talk about groceries and the, those kinds of things. No, because honestly, I think it's within reason to expect that when someone chooses to come for a week, they're going to make an offer about groceries and things like that. Or an effort or something. something and they didn't. So you're kind of like, wait, wait a second. Hold on. What's going on here? I've been over back. I stocked the cupboards. I made sure you had all your staples. And and then you didn't them. offer anything. <laughs> or didn't replace the ones that you, you used yeah. so that there was a, a campsite rule, no impact effect on the totality right. of the experience. Right. So yes and no, this monster just is, is now a part of the family. <laughs> and it's not unreasonable to have good discussions with guests about what you're providing as a host and what you're not providing as a host. In fact, that's a a wise discussion to be thinking about. And because you're thinking ahead of time, any advice on how to make that clear before they plan their next visit being your final question, you're in pretty good shape to answer that question, to lay those terms out, to place those boundaries where you feel most comfortable. And all of the reasons that you've explained for setting those boundaries make a lot of sense. We want to continue to host. We want to be good hosts. And in order to do that, we have to operate within the constraints of our budget. And people will understand that. Absolutely. And this is also one of those things where you let people know from the get-go when they start booking this time how excited you are to have them come, but that this year you've just come to realize that after a number of years of of full-on hosting that you need to ask for a little bit of balance with the budgeting. And that's a really okay thing to do. I mean, honestly, they are getting a pretty much free vacation aside from whatever cost it takes for them to travel up to you. And I think that it'll click in their heads, you know, oh gosh, yeah, we probably should come with groceries. And I think it's okay for you to ask for that. That's the one that makes the most sense to me. When we all go down to our house on Martha's Vineyard, it's a big coordination between the families that are sharing a home, how groceries and that kind of thing are going to be set. When my friends and I choose to go down for a long weekend, we divvy up whose responsibility it is for what meal or what day of meals, that sort of a thing. Or one person gets the booze, one person gets the breakfast foods, one person gets the lunch foods. We all then split the dinners. You figure out ways to do it, but start making suggestions that you're willing to do it in a number of different ways, but that you've got to implement this this year and that you're doing it across the board to everyone who's coming to stay because you end up with guests every other week. 
it can go beyond food. It can be about the trash pickup that happens on Tuesday, but someone leaves on Thursday. So there needs to be real clear communication about everything being bagged up and ready at the edge of the garage. So the person who's there on Thursday or Tuesday, whatever day I said, just puts it out <laughs> on the curb. The Just the help with some of the cleanup and the, the stuff around. Maybe yeah. it's the folks that come to take care of the lawn and there's a message that needs to get to them. Or it, it can be all kinds of things, but there can be other chores even or responsibilities that are part of that host-guest relationship. We do that at our vineyard place where my mom, different years will suggest different things. Sometimes she says, hey guys, we have a really tight time getting out on Sunday. So this year we're asking everyone to bring their sheets and their own towels so that rather than doing the loads of sheets and towels and having to fold them and get through the dryer, we can all leave on the 7 a.m. ferry, easy as pie. Now, you're not dealing with the ferry so much, but it it could be that kind of a thing where you've got other guests coming on Sunday, so we're going to make sure that we do something Saturday night to make sure that the place is ready for the guests who are coming on Sunday right after you leave. You can kind of be the director of your, what I'm thinking of is Vermont, summer camp for your family and friends. And it's it's really okay to ask for that kind of pitch-in help, especially given, the, I think, the, the hosting you've done in the previous years. And if that's what makes it not just possible or easy, but something that feels good for you, that's something to think about because you want that good feeling as a host. That's something that's going to impact your relationship with your house guests. And if everyone can feel really good about the exchange, People are going to want to do it again, including you. And that's an important part of this whole equation. We are so excited to get to dive into a Vermont summer hosting question. Your place on the lake sounds absolutely dreamy. And we can picture all of the really fun things that your friends and family get to do when they come visit you. It's very cool to have one that's on the home turf. Thanks so much for asking this question. And we hope next summer it's so much fun and a little easier on the wallet. With responsibilities go privileges. Although the strength of the family lies in unity, each is responsible for being considerate of the others. Our next question is about a last-minute bridesmaid addition. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. You guys are the best. I'm a longtime listener and first-time question asker. Your podcast is such a light and joy. As I'm recently engaged, congratulations. Congratulations. I'm finding myself saying, I wish Lizzie and Dan were here to answer this question more and more. But this one I really had to write in about. My fiancé and I had a very, very difficult time choosing our wedding party. I wrestled, in particular, a lot with asking one good friend I had growing up. In the end, to keep numbers smaller, I decided not to ask her to be in the wedding party and planned to spend time with her in other ways leading up to the wedding. Flash forward about three months after we asked our wedding party, this friend and I went out to dinner and just had the best time. We sat and talked for three and a half hours, and I came away thinking, what in the world was I thinking (laughs) not including her? I love this question. I can't not have her as part of this group. My wedding is about four and a half months away, and I'm wrestling yet again with how, if at all, I could ask this friend to be in our wedding party. Most of the girls have bought their dresses, and she'd probably have to purchase hers within a week or two of my asking in order to receive it in time to allow for any tailoring, etc., My fiancé has another good friend he'd love to ask, should I choose to invite this friend to the wedding party? 
This would pose far less etiquette slash logistic issues, as the groomsmen haven't been in group communication like the bridesmaids have and don't have ordering constraints on their tuxes like the dresses do. What is the etiquette on this? My initial instinct is that I could never. Wouldn't that be more insulting than honoring to ask someone late? However, I've gotten the exact opposite feedback from my best friend, also a bridesmaid. My mother and maid of honor are just as torn as I am. Can I do this? And if so, how do I go about it? Thank you for everything, bemused bride. Girlfriend, this is your wedding. You ask whomever you wish. There is no etiquette about this. This happens actually all the time. People get added in. Some people have to drop out. And so there's all kinds of shifts that can happen around this. I think that you should let the other girls know that you're going to ask this friend that you, you know, you had thought about asking this girl originally and you hadn't. And then you realize that it's not going to feel like your wedding without her up there. And so you're going to ask her and you, you make that decision. You don't have to ask their input about it. You're making the decision and you're letting them know. And then you're going to let them know that you understand they've done a lot of planning and coordinating and you are going to encourage the new friend to just kind of jump into the fold with all of that planning and coordinating, not so much in a let me suggest and take things over way, but in a here's what's happening. And so it'll be really easy for you to just join right in and and jump on the bridesmaid bandwagon. What you don't want having happen is this person to join and then start kind of taking the reins from all these folks who have, have probably been coordinating a lot. You also don't want the folks who've been coordinating a lot to kind of push this newcomer to the side as if like, well, you don't belong here. You got to ask last minute. So that's the etiquette part of this that we are trying to make not happen and watch out for. Instead, what we are are looking for is to make everyone feel included and to make sure that this gal who you're going to be inviting feels like she can jump right in and do this and leave room for her to say no. Just in case, you know, I mean, she might like, no, but seriously, just in case she might be in that position where she says, oh, no, like it's it's going to be too last minute to run around. But I would love to support you. You might have her do a reading. You might have her give a speech, something like that. If she declines at all or if it doesn't seem like a good idea, there are other ways to involve her. When you started this question, you were talking about thinking about other ways to connect with this person around the wedding, I was thinking to myself how many times we've heard versions of that because weddings and wedding parties are limited. They oftentimes force people to make tough decisions, but at the same time to try to figure out ways to use that event to reconnect. And I love that that reconnection, that you following through on that resulted in a deeper connection that you want to honor and that you want to now follow up on. I think feeling good about that is going to go a long way towards keeping feelings of awkwardness or bad communication that can result in some of those potential problems that Lizzie's talking about where someone isn't sure their place or people feel like someone's been added who is confusing things or disrupting things. The spirit that you introduce all this with is going to really set people up for success as they move forward. And it's something that you can feel good about. You can even talk about what a great time you had reconnecting with this person and how excited you are to be sure that she's included and included well. It also sounds like you've got enough time to order the dress, although it does sound like you should get to it if this is something that you're going to do. We hope this answer reaches you in time. Yes, sir, friendships are worth having, aren't they? Wouldn't it be more fun to have more friends? We all have fun with our own friends. But what about other people? 
Our final question this week is a quick one, and it made me laugh out loud to the point where I had to explain to Pooja what it was that I was reading on my phone. No, no, and just no. (laughs) Is it okay for the bride to post her wedding registry on Facebook? Yeah, so the answer is no, no, and just no. Like, this is not the way to go about this. If if, If friends and family are looking for the wedding registry because the wedding registry isn't apparent enough on the wedding website, then you send out a direct email But you do not ever, ever, ever post the wedding registry to a public place where there are a ton of people who aren't going to be at the wedding. If you've got people who are saying, listen, I know I'm not invited to the wedding, but I really want to get you something, privately send them that link. But do not post it publicly. It looks like, oh, no, it's so the wrong kind of message to be sending. I was all ready with the etiquette question I was going to ask you to, to prompt an answer, which was, So why not? Why wouldn't you do something like this? Why wouldn't you put your registry up where the people who are coming to the wedding could see it? And you already answered it because people who are not coming to the wedding are also going to be seeing it. And that can just feel a little weird. Anonymous, thanks for the question. Lizzie, thanks for the quick answer and the funny title. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. And on Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. That's I-N-S-T. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so we know you want your question on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we begin with Sophie in Norway. I'm responding to something you said about wedding gifts in episode number 213. I listened to all my 64 podcasts in chronological order and now this came up. You said something about displaying gifts being etiquette from the 20s. Here in Norway, displaying the gifts is the norm. We have special gift openers that do this between church and dinner when the couple takes the official photographs and after dinner for coffee guests. I have been a gift opener three times for a friend and for two of my brothers. I use stickers with numbers on it and stick one number to the card and one to each of the gift parts. In addition to writing down the gifts and the givers on a sheet of numbered paper. We recommend that people don't wrap the gifts because of this, but most do anyway. The bride and the groom usually come to look at their gifts after dinner, and they ooh and ah to the ones that are around the gift table right then. They later use the numbers to write good thank you cards. I hope this can show some differences in etiquette in our two countries. If you have some questions, feel free to ask Sophie. Isn't that awesome? I love it when we get the international angles. I do, too. And I love the sort of precision of all of this. I yes. love the the detail, the organization. It's a, a very clear tradition. And the execution of it from the stickers to the timing to the appropriate oohs and ahs when the bride and groom, the, the, the special couple, get the opportunity to see them for the first time. Sophie, thank you so much for this. Please, please, please share more with us about what etiquette is like in Norway. Next, we hear from Jackie. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast. I've been listening to it for over a year now, and it always brings a smile to my face. I just wanted to write in about the question about the potluck dinners and making sure that people don't bring too much of the same food. We do a barbecue every summer where we provide the hamburgers, hot dogs, rolls, and all the fixings. But our friends all bring the side dishes, 
desserts, and the drinks. We use the online invitation software called Punchbowl, which sends out the invitations for us and allows us to get RSVPs electronically, and also lets us set up a potluck sign-up page for our guests. We set up the potluck and ask for three to four side dishes, four to five desserts, and then a certain number of bottles of water or juice boxes, so that we know that everything we need is getting covered. That way, both we and our guests can see what's coming, which makes planning easier. I hope this helps, Jackie. What I like about this is that it also, just like we suggest for people to do, it gives the guests the option of selecting the thing that's going to be the best for them to bring. I like it, and I haven't gone to look at Punchbowl yet, but it sounds like they could be a awesome etiquette sponsor. Hey, we are always looking. Thank you to everyone for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment, question, or piece of feedback to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about tipping etiquette. And this is particularly specifically about some of the less commonly talked about tipping scenarios. Most people are very familiar with the expectation that you're going to tip 15 or 20 percent if you receive table service at a restaurant. Many people are aware that there are annual or holiday tips that are common, that are part of the the calendar year cycle. In fact, we usually start getting the media request to talk about holiday tipping right around we this time. We already have. And of course, we talk about hair salons daily. We talk about counter tip jars and, you know, what constitutes a good tip, no tip, what kind of tip, regular tips, all that kind of thing. But there are so many other tips that we come across that can stump us in life because they're often once every five years or they're actually very common, but we just don't get asked about them as much. So we wanted to dive into the 17th edition of Emily Post Etiquette, which has an insanely awesome tipping section in it. It's actually something we're going to be hopefully reviving in the next edition of Emily Post Etiquette coming out in 2022. (laughs) I love the Lizzie Post research brain as she goes back through the previous editions of Etiquette. Ooh, this 17th edition tipping section was very good. Well, it was like I was on an interview the other day and I had to go back through it and I was going, wow, we don't know. I don't have movers. I didn't have movers or or, or furniture delivery people in the 19th and 18th editions, but I knew the 17th had just a rock solid tipping section. Well, let's start with furniture delivery or movers. Absolutely, yes. Home deliveries. How much and even whether to tip for home deliveries, installations, and help around the house and garden isn't always cut and dried. The tip for a delivery, for example, depends on the volume of the goods and how difficult your house or apartment is to reach. A delivery carried up five flights of stairs usually warrants a bigger tip than one delivered to the front door of a suburban home at street level. Company policies vary. While pizza deliverers receive a good portion of their income from tips, a cable company service employee might be forbidden by his employer to accept tips. When you're especially pleased with how the delivery or installation has been handled but aren't sure whether to offer a tip, go ahead and try. The person will either accept the tip or say that the company policy doesn't allow it. You can also check with the company in advance. Let's go to movers. Tip a mover when the job is complete. The head mover is tipped between $25 and $50, and the crew members between $15 and $30 each, depending on how much they've moved, the difficulty of the move, 
and the care they've taken with your possessions. If they packed your belongings, increase these tips by a few dollars. An alternative is to give a lump sum to the whole crew, and the members will split it among themselves. Calculate the tip per mover based on the criteria below, and then give the whole amount to the head mover. Large and difficult jobs, jobs with challenges as varied as several flights of stairs, small elevators, narrow doorways, unwieldy furniture and appliances, and particularly large and heavy boxes, call for tips of twenty to fifty dollars per person. Small jobs. When fewer than ten items and boxes of regular size are moved, tip ten to twenty dollars per person. If some of the items weigh more than twenty pounds, tip a little more. Furniture and appliance deliveries. Traditionally, department store deliverers aren't tip unless they uncrate and set up the items. But you might call the store in advance to see whether tips are expected. Better safe than embarrassed and seemingly ungrateful. When deliverers uncrate, assemble, or install an item, each receives between five dollars and twenty dollars, depending on the amount of work performed. An especially large, heavy, or difficult delivery calls for increasing the tip by ten percent or so. When the deliverers remove an old piece of furniture or an appliance and take it away, another slight increase is called for. An exception is when the removal of the existing goods is part of the work agreement. Sticking with the theme of deliveries, but scaling it down, let's look at takeout food deliveries. For takeout food delivered to your door, tip ten percent of the bill. For especially quick or courteous service, or if the deliverer walks up more than one flight of stairs, try fifteen percent. Or think about upping your tip a little bit. For a pizza, about two dollars is adequate if the bill is between ten and fifteen. A tip for a larger order, maybe between three and five dollars, depending on the number of pizzas. Bear in mind, this book was written about fifteen years ago, twenty years ago at this point. So let's go to the higher end of those ranges. Yes, when possible. A delivery charge on your bill usually goes to the owner to help cover delivery costs. So a tip of ten percent ensures that the deliverer gets their due. For miscellaneous deliveries, when taking delivery of items such as the three below, groceries, flowers, or dry cleaning, tip a bit more if the service has been especially courteous, or the deliverer had to brave bad weather or climb several flights of stairs. For groceries, no less than two dollars. Flowers, one to two dollars, and dry cleaning, one to two dollars. Again, remember this book is about fifteen years old at this point, so we're going to think about the top end of those ranges. I, and I feel like people are going to start to to really feel okay in the like two to five dollar range, probably. It's funny, but we only see dollar tips nowadays for very few things. It's like for counter service and for when you're going per bag for a bellhop or something like that. But I loved the grocery one in here because there are so many grocery delivery services. This is a thing again. This is like. This is a cool thing again. It, it prevents so many people from having to go to the store, and instead, you've got one car out there delivering a bunch of stuff, rather than like five hundred cars out there all headed to the same place and back to their homes again. It's amazing. It's got me thinking about a version of grocery service that Pooja's using these days. Instead of ordering from Amazon, she goes to the local supermarket and they prepare. Yep, the cart that you outline. She just pulls in. They bring it out. Pretty much give it to you all ready to go. And a small tip for that kind of service is, I think, an、It's、advisable、awesome. and well considered. 
thought. Yesterday, one of my girlfriends was working out with her husband as we were all hanging out what their grocery list was for the week because it's a chain grocery store, but it's still the local version of the chain grocery store, you know, has a really great delivery service. And I said, hey, so etiquette author hat on here. What's the tipping like? Is there a delivery charge? And they said, actually, both tip and delivery charges are included in your annual fee to engage the service. And I was impressed that that fee was under $100. So I'm a little curious how the payment is starting to shake out on this for the actual delivery person. Again, if someone goes above and beyond, you can always offer to give them a tip and say, boy, you really made such an effort to meet me here when I would be at the house. I know it was a small window of time. I'd love to offer you an extra tip on top of whatever the company does for you. It's such a great reminder as our service economy continues to grow that thinking about service and rewards for service and tipping as a way to show appreciation is a really good idea. It's a way to participate intelligently, but it's also something we have to have our antenna out about because it's a shifting landscape and there are going to be more opportunities. The rules aren't always going to be clearly defined and approaching it as an opportunity, thinking of it as a way to show appreciation to be generous and thankful is going to help you identify the moments where it's going to make you and the other person feel really good. Absolutely. We'll dive into some more tipping um, in non-everyday situations in a future episode. But thanks so much for joining us for this one. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Wendy. I love this because I actually got to meet Wendy in person. Dear Lizzie and Dan, hello from Burlington, Vermont. I have loved catching up on Awesome Etiquette from episode one over the past year or so, and now look forward to a new episode every Monday. I write with a salute to the Vineyard Gazette for publishing an op-ed by Islander Joe Keenan in its June 14th issue about good deeds, When a woman's car tire was on fire, Mr. Keenan happened to be riding by and not only alerted her to the fire, but also helped to corral other folks nearby to help with the situation. I salute Mr. Keenan for stopping to help the woman wholeheartedly and for sharing the story of all those who helped. And I also salute the Gazette for sharing this story that is full of consideration, respect, and honesty with a much larger audience. Dan always says on the podcast that safety supersedes etiquette, and I find it delightful how safety and etiquette are both at play here. Lizzie, it was so great to meet you in person a few weeks back at Cricket's Blues album launch show. I am Jacqueline's also tall friend from Mount Holyoke. I hope to bump into you again and hope that your book tour is going well. Dan, I wish you and your family all the best as you welcome your new baby. Warm regards, Wendy. Wendy, thank you for your notes and for this question. It's nice to think about safety superseding etiquette, but it is really nice to think about consideration, respect, and honesty being at play no matter what is going on. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share the show with your friends, family, and coworkers in whatever way is likely to get them to give Awesome Etiquette a try. You can send us your questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst.com. 
that's I-N-S-T, and I am at Lizzie A. Post, that's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Instagram, where we love to connect with you, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It so helps our show's ranking, which means we get more awesome etiquette to more people who you could run into. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris.